Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 117. This week you're going to get a special treat by hearing an interview with a man you may never have heard of before. Because he's one of my personal Catholic heroes, I just know you're going to love him. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I'm always amazed when people tell me they're not familiar with Terry Barber, because this man has almost certainly touched your Catholic life in some way. You realize that when I tell you a bit about him. Terry founded St. Joseph Communications, the Catholic Resource Center, and Lighthouse Catholic Media. Why should that mean anything to you? Have you ever heard of Scott Hahn's conversion story? Seen kiosks in churches, maybe even your own, where you can pick up CDs and books and pamphlets? Or listen to Archbishop Fulton Sheen recordings? If you can answer yes to any of these things, then you've been touched by the evangelistic missionary spirit of Terry Barber. I've probably known Terry for about 20 years. The last time I saw him was at a men's conference here in St. Louis. In fact, he was the main reason I bought tickets for the conference. I'd never heard him speak from the dais before, but I'd already had plenty of exposure to his enthusiastic dynamism and excitement for our holy and ancient faith. How was he on stage? Beats me, because Terry wrote me into managing his table while he spoke. Although, although I couldn't hear him speak, I knew he was bringing down the house. 
I heard the men in the auditorium burst out with laughter over and over again. Terry was the very last speaker at the conference, but he's the only one to have received a standing ovation, and the friends I went with told me on the way home that he was by far the best speaker of the day. The main reason I'm telling you this is, you really need to get Terry Barber into your parish or diocese to speak. You'll actually thank me for it if you do. As I've said before, Terry is one of my greatest heroes of Catholicism. Since we've been exploring and promoting Catholic lay evangelism over the last seven weeks, having Terry on the show was a natural. Let's listen to what he has to say. Six-Pack Family, we have a special treat for you today. At least it's a treat for me because this man is one of my personal heroes, and he's been an inspiration to me in so many ways over the years. As you heard in the lead-in to this interview, this man has almost certainly touched your life as a Catholic, even if you're not familiar with his name. We're privileged to have my friend and the co-host of the Terry and Jesse Show from Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Terry Barber. Terry, welcome to the Cantankerous Catholic, and thanks for being here to speak to my family. Our pleasure, Joe. Glad to be here, brother. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping that... You have as great an impact on our listeners as you have on me. Well, Terry, the Barber family has spent a lifetime touching Catholic lives. Your nephew, Michael, is a scripture and theology professor at Augustine Institute. Terry, a great many of the six-pack family have never even heard of you, yet you've touched almost every one of their lives. Would you give us a little background on yourself that would help my family recognize how your work has touched them? (laughs) I certainly will. Well, back in 1978, I made my total consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary through the um, St. Maximilian Colby formula. And that's when I found some Bishop Sheen records in November of 78. And I wrote to the Propagation of the Faith saying, hey, this is great stuff. Can we put it on cassette tape? Because nobody's listening to LPs. And that's where I started with St. Joseph Communications by publishing Bishop Sheen. And all of a sudden, I was putting these advertisements in five or six different Catholic papers and getting hundreds of orders a day. And then I just started uh, recording more different Catholic conferences And um, for the last 42 years, that's what I've been doing, Uh, just promoting the Catholic faith through Dr. Scott Hahn. Maybe they might know who Dr. Scott Hahn is. I'm the knucklehead who who recorded him back 31 years ago. His uh, Protestant ministry becomes Catholic, and about a million copies have been distributed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been involved in Catholic evangelization for 42 years, Uh, started... uh, a Lighthouse Catholic Media, maybe you might know that name, and now it's with Augustine Institute, uh, started St. Joseph Radio, uh, Catholic Resource Center, Virgin Most Powerful. I've been involved for a long time, maybe 30, 40 million recordings have gone around the world, but uh, Father Joe Fessio from Ignatius Press uh, encouraged me to write a book on evangelization, and I did, called How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. And um, I've been, it's been a bestseller for about 10 years. And I just uh, love to show people how to engage into evangelization. And uh, that's what I've been doing now. I started Saint, uh, the, uh, I started the uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio three years ago in January. 
And uh, we've got lots of good programming. We even have Bishop Joseph Strickland, the best bishop in the country, in my opinion. He's got a weekly show that I interview him every single Tuesday. I would encourage your listeners to get the free download from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So bottom line, Joe Sixpack, this. I've been involved. I'm fi- hell of a, I don't know, I'm 65 years old in November, and I uh, keep swinging the bat for Jesus. But what I really want to encourage others to do is swing the bat and learn from some of the techniques that I've had in my lifetime so that we can pass the baton on. Because last time I looked, not only you, Joe, and Terry, we're getting old. And we have to get another generation of Catholics who will know how to share their faith with anyone. Absolutely. And Terry, the uh, your book is the next thing I was g- going to bring up. Uh, you and I seem to agree that the two biggest reasons why Catholics oh, yeah. don't evangelize, yep. despite a divine mandate to do so, mm-hmm. uh, is fear and apathy. That's right. Terry, you're the doctor of evangelization. So, doctor, what prescription would you give the six-pack family to overcome their fear and apathy? Number one, ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day of your life. If you're not doing that, you will not have strong faith. Number two. These are check marks. Number two, study your faith. Every day, get the catechism out. Get your Bible together. Start reading the Bible along with the catechism, and you'll have knowledge because knowledge does breed confidence. And the third thing that I want to encourage everyone to do, and I know that COVID-19, you can't have your churches open, but I'm a big promoter of the daily holy hour. Spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament. Even if you can't spend that time at least at home with your Bible. Because I'm going to tell you, without prayer, none of this gets done. And I want to recommend two books, because you asked me, what do you do? Introduction to Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. That's a book that, yeah, that all, you know, you need to do that. And then there's a book called The Soul of the Apostolate, printed by Tan Books. Get that book because it talks about a, a having a spirituality profound before you get to go out and evangelize. So those are the recommendations I have. It's quite simple, really. Fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. Right, exactly. You know, you talked about the hour of adoration. Yeah. I tell this family constantly, mm-hmm. there are 168 hours in a week. If yeah. you're too busy to give Jesus one of them, then you're just too busy. Amen, brother. (laughs) Okay, Terry, uh, you write about the eight laws of effectively sharing the faith (laughs) with anyone. Yeah. I'm going to have a link to the book in my show notes so people will read the eight laws when they get the book. Yes. But I'd like to ask you now to explain briefly these laws uh, to give the six-pack family a reason for wanting to buy the book. Okay, Joe, you got to understand how I got this eight laws. It was not from... Uh, an angel from heaven. I went and got these eight laws because when I came out of high school, my my brother sent me to a school, Al Tomsick school, and it was a advertising school. It was actually for salesmen. And there's basic laws in selling that I apply to the Catholic faith and evangelization. For example, keep it simple. 
Always keep it simple. Don't get too complicated. Joe, don't talk about the hypostatic union to these people when you're just trying to evangelize them. Who cares? I mean, the nature between you know, Christ's human nature and his divinity, that comes later. Keep it right. simple. Now, keep them saying yes. What I mean by that is when you ask somebody a question, they might be an anti-Catholic person, and they're saying, hey, the Pope is, you know, uh, uh, he's the, uh, the worst thing that could come out. So you ask, you call him by name, you ask a question to get them to say yes and say, yes, that's what I'm saying. That shows that you're actually listening to what they're saying. Another one, be enthusiastic. You know you're Greek, Joe. Theo, God is in you. Enthusiasm. God is in you. So a smile is a small form of enthusiasm. Now, why do I say call them by name, the fourth law? Joe, I just got your attention. I called you by name. I'm going to explain if we have time. Attention, interest, desire, and action. How do you get someone's attention? You call them by name. Now, uh, this is important when you're evangelizing. Show and then tell. 88% of everything we learn goes through our eyes. So when you're right. talking about something in Matthew 16, 16, show it to them in the Bible. If you're talking about the Eucharist, take them into the Blessed Sacrament Chapel it, the, before the Blessed our Lord. This is important. So showing and then tell. And then always agree. What do I mean by that? I'll show you in, in the book. It talks from the Bible when, when uh, you know, Jesus says, always agree with thy adversary. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, when I, when I uh, agree with somebody, what I'll say is I, I, I'll, say, I'll, I'll call him by name, and I'll show and explain. And then I say, okay, I, I agree with that, but let me ask you a question, Joe. And then I would ask the question, and then again, he understands your uh, understanding what he's saying. Now, he who asks questions has control. Think about what our Lord said. Joe, you know the image of the coin story, right? Whose image is on the coin? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to what is God is God's. So when you want to take control of a conversation, you call them by name to get their attention, you show and explain, and you ask questions. Because this is what Jesus did. This is what the rabbis did. As a matter of fact, Joe, it goes all the way back to Socrates in 325 B.C. He said this, he who asks questions is in control. So when you're in a conversation, ask those questions. Now, the other one is practice virtue. you got to be able to you know, walk the talk. You've got to be a virtuous person. If you have all the answers but you're a knucklehead, you just lost them. So these laws are based on immutable principles of selling that I learned in my real estate days. And just so to give an example, I live in a little state of California. I was 13th in the state in 1982 in selling real estate. I, door, I was a door knocker. I was a phone call guy. I joke with people, Joe. I say, I used to sell real estate on planet Earth. Now I sell real estate for heaven. Amen. Amen. Uh, you also write that the Ten Commandments of evangelization are tried and true, yep. proven effective rules to make your efforts at sharing the faith more fruitful. Mm -hmm. Having read them, I couldn't agree more. But I couldn't help but thinking that in developing these Ten Commandments, I think you may have placed a little higher emphasis on some than others. Yeah. If I'm right, will you please speak to the top three commandments on the list? That yeah. I've never, Joe, I've never had anybody ask that, but if I had to prioritize the Ten Commandments, I would still say, you know, thou shalt ask questions. And what that does is it really points out, so tell me, 
How is it that John 6 talks about, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, and you'll have no life in you? How do you understand that as not being the real presence of Christ? Could you share me share your idea on that? Because I see that what happened after he taught that, many of the guys left him and said, that's a hard saying. And they left him. That's not me, but I want to make sure it's not you. So tell me, why are you one of those wanting to leave Jesus after he taught that? Say it's not his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Can you share that with me? See how I'm asking questions? That's number one. And I would also say, thou shalt pray always. As again, the soul of the apostolate, introduction to devout life. Without prayer, you can't do nothing. And I love... I love what Fulton Sheen said about prayer, Joe, when he said some people look on prayer like an aviator looks on a parachute. He hopes he doesn't have to use it. What do I mean? <laughs> you got to pray. And and without prayer, it's all about you. And this is not about you. Remember, Joe, you know this. I know you know this. There's a song they sing in hell. I did it my way. <laughs> and Joe, you know the song in heaven. I did it his way. So Amen. the prayer is his way. Our way is our intellect and will and all that. Yeah, God uses this natural things that we have, but we need to pray. And the other thing that I think is really uh, something that a lot of people don't really realize, and that is don't get discouraged. I know so many people who tell me, oh, the church is in trouble. How can we share the gospel right now? Well, I just did a show Today on Terry and Jesse, correlating the 4th century and the 21st century of Arianism and the problem we have right now, what I would say is where uh, people are not understanding the faith because of a lack of clarity. We need more clarity from our church right now. Ambiguity is too, um, too, too prominent. So the church has always overcome all these things, and we're going to do the same thing. So... Don't be depressed. Just remember this. And I I say this, I quote Cardinal Mueller. He just said this the other day. The Pope is the vigor of Christ. He's not the superior of Christ. And what we mean by that is that the perennial teachings of the church cannot change. The Pope can't write a letter and say, we're now going to do this on the perennial teachings of the church. He doesn't have that authority. So reassure yourself, everyone who's listening, that our faith cannot change on its perennial teachings. And that should really give you peace of soul. And so let's don't dwell on how bad things are. Let's go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and not put our emphasis on, you know, somebody who's not teaching the faith. Because St. John Paul II said this, how do you deal with error? He says, proclaim the truth. Amen. Amen. And by the way, you mentioned Archbishop Sheen. I just got to get this in. Yeah. Full Sheen ahead. Yeah, that's what I say on the radio all the time. <laughs> yeah, now, I now, know. That's why I did now, it. Now, Joe, you have to understand, I went to Fulton Sheen's funeral 42 years ago. I'm probably one of the few people that are still breathing that went to the funeral, and I'll tell you why. In 1979, I was a young 20-some-year-old, 21-year-old. And there were very few young people at that funeral. So they've probably all gone to the eternal reward. But I got to tell you, Joe, on a side note, you talk about a man who evangelized. That's Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And so I think his uh, techniques, and I'm going to recommend a book 
Treasuring Clay, his autobiography. Amen. Great book on evangelization. So I had to plug that Sheen in. And you know, Je- uh, Je- Joe, one thing about Fulton Sheen is for 60 years he did a daily holy hour. And he actually said, why people listen to me? It's not because I'm smart. It's because I did everything with prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. And I think Amen. we need to follow that. Amen. You're absolutely right, Terry. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Fulton Sheen had a tabernacle in his apartment. Correct. Yeah. He, he oh. died December 9th, 1979 on his knees before that tabernacle. Amen. Uh, Terry, I really like the spiritual aspects you focused <laughs> on in the book. Yeah. Uh, and I've shared those very same things with this family <laughs> on numerous occasions. Yeah. After all, the advice you give will actually help my family to become saints, even if they never evangelize the first soul. Uh, but a lot of people need to think out and enact a routine before they get started on these kind of things, especially things like mental prayer, contemplative prayer, and developing a relationship with their guardian angel. But that requires a bit of work on their part, and most really don't have a clue where to begin. Can you help them out with that? Absolutely. And for, you mentioned the angel. My line is the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work. Now, spirituality, uh, you know, St. John Paul II said it, prayer helps us rediscover the loving face of God. Uh, he never abandons his people, but guarantees that notwithstanding trials and suffering, good triumphs over the end. And so how do we get started? I say go before the Blessed Sacrament and sit there. What? You don't want to read a book? No. I didn't pray a rosary yet. No. Just sit there and say, Jesus, I'm here. What do you want me to do? I think that's amazing. You know, I have myself. I didn't know you did that. I have myself Mm -hmm. uh, sat before the Blessed Sacrament literally for hours over the years where I have said not a word. I just look at him and he looks at me. St. John Vianney said the same thing. That's a quote from uh, The Cure of Ours. And, and it's true because when you're in the presence of Christ, here, here's the bottom line, and I don't mean to interrupt where you're going with this, but my favorite, my favorite chapter of my book is The Secret of Evangelization, Living in the Presence of God. Amen. That is so important. Now, I love what uh, St. Thomas Aquinas said about that. He said, what does it do to live in the presence of God? And what I mean by that, Joe, is wherever you're at, just call to the mind of the presence of God because it preserves us from sin, it increases our faith, it strengthens our hope, and it perfects our love. And I might add, the one that Thomas didn't put in, but I'm going to put in, it brings us closer to our guardian angel. And so we have this book that I recommend called Abandonment to Divine Providence. Now, I put it on CD, and if your listeners want it, I'll give it to them. If they want it, I'll just give them a download for free. If they go to Virgin, wow. Most Powerful Radio. It's, a, it's sold at Ignatius, and, but why do I want you to get it? Because this book was written by a Jesuit, 17th century Jesuit, who was writing letters to nuns. He talks about the sacrament of the present moment. That God's will, Joe, right now, God's will is manifested moment by moment as long as we're staying faithful to our duties and our state in life. Folks, evangelization is fulfilling in your duty and your state in life. Be a good husband. Be a good wife. Be a good kid. You're fulfilling it by even doing your homework. 
giving my wife a glass of water every day for the last 30 some years is, is, is a blessing from me to my wife, but it serves Almighty God. It's a way of my love for my wife in expression. So why do I say all this, Joe? Is because evangelization starts at home and sharing that by doing your duties and your state in life well. And as I mentioned, Our Lady of Fatima said that also. How do we do it? Make sacrifices? Well, by doing our daily duty. And what did the little flower say? Picking up a pin for love of thee? See, the, the, the Catholic faith is quite simple. I don't have a PhD. Can I tell you something, Joe? I never went to Catholic school in my entire life. Okay? Ever. But what I did do is I studied my faith and I let Bishop Sheen take me by the hand. And I want to encourage your listeners to get Life is Worth Living. It's 50 half-hour shows that 42 years ago I started with. And you call that toll-free number 877-526-2151 and ask for that. And they'll get it for you on an MP3 disc. And you're going to get a disc of our Baltimore Catechism using sacred art to teach you the fundamentals, like for your kids. But can I share something with you? That DVD, we've distributed hundreds of thousands of them, will help adults know the four marks of the church, the attributes of God, uh, oh, so much, the commandments, the sacraments, all in 58 minutes. And that will help you have a better relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, Terry, you, you talked about actually something that I have uh, told this family about many times throughout many episodes. Uh, I have told them that Jesus commanded all of us to be a saint in Matthew 5.48, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I've also pointed out that we have an obligation to evangelize, mm-hmm. and you cannot do one without the other. Right. You can't become a saint if you don't share the faith, right. and you can't share the faith without working toward becoming a saint. So they go hand in hand. But you know, what the six-pack family needs to do is to get this book, study it, and then act on it. Uh, but let's shift gears a little. Having read your book and witnessed you in action personally, uh, practicing what you preach, I can imagine that your strategies combined with God's sense of humor has led to more than a few funny stories along the way. In fact, I know from experience that some of them are downright hilarious. Yeah. Would you like to finish out this interview by telling a few stories, then invite the six-pack family into becoming fellow evangelists as only you can do it? (laughs) Absolutely, Joe. I might add, if you're not a bookworm, you're a tapeworm, I have a four-hour DVD with four presentations called Lighting the Fire of Evangelization, and you can get that also from virginmostpowerfulradio.org or just call 877-526-2151. You can get my book at the same time. Joe, I have so many stories of evangelism. Let me just give you one. And this is applying some of the things we talked about earlier in the show, commandments of evangelization. The largest religious ed congress is in Los Angeles every year. Not not being taught very well, but it's there. And I've always gone for Ignatius Press to help promote their good books. Well, every year there's anti-Catholics that are out on the sidewalk screaming and hollering that the Pope is the whore of Babylon and, you know, the Catholic Church is in error. And there's always a lot of arguments going on out there. So I decided to 
use some of the principles that I have in my book to handle this situation and I think a more price-like way rather than arguing. So I walked down the sidewalk. I knew he was going to, you know, say something to me. And uh, first thing I said to him, I said, hey, nice to meet you, my friend. What's your name? My name's Mike. I said, well, Mike, uh, can I ask you a couple questions? He said, yeah, what is it? I said, can you tell me how you fell in love with Jesus Christ? <laughs> he didn't expect that. So he told me his story, Joe, that he was a drunkard, he was a womanizer, and that he found the Lord, and he became Christian. And it was a 20-minute conversion story. It's cool. I listened to it. I said, praise God. Joe, can I ask you another question? I said, Mike. He says, yeah. Can I tell you my story? I earned it. You see, now we're talking about conversions. So I told him all about how I fell in love with the Blessed Sacrament, Our Lady, and how I found it was in Scripture. So I gave my witness. It's hard to argue a witness. So <clears throat> then after we talked, I said, can I ask you another question? He's not arguing with me. I said, would you pray for me Is I, if you're okay with that and I'll pray for you? I said, we're obviously not on the same page on doctrine. We disagree. But brother... My love for you is similar to your love for me, and that is we need to find the truth. Let's pray for each other to always follow the truth wherever it leads us. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah! And we walked away without an argument. And this is, you know, again, asking questions, calling people by name, show and explain. I'll give you one fun story, too. And here in Southern California, this is another one where... We have a Calvary Chapel, which is an anti-Catholic church who were taking 60-70% of their parishioners were former Catholics. So this was back in 1984, many years ago, when I had hair on my head. And so here I, here I am. They come to the Catholic church inviting us to come hear a Catholic priest talk about why he left the church. So I had just printed 75,000 copies of a book called Father Roberts Answers Jimmy Swaggart. In English and in Spanish. Don't even have any more of those now. But anyhow, we printed them. So I said to my boys at the uh, at the parish, Hey boys, we got some work to do next Wednesday. We're going to show up outside the church on the easement. And we're going to hand out the book and say, Tonight's topic is on Catholicism. Here's your book. They're going to think that we're part of Calvary Chapel because it's a bunch of young men. <clears throat> but we're not. <clears throat> so we do that. And of course... This Carmelite priest, unfortunately, lost his faith and was spewing out a lot of error about the Catholic Church. Well, it was time for questions. I'm five foot five, not as tall as you, Joe. But I, I raised my hand. No, they didn't pick me. But another friend of mine says, I don't have a question, but my good friend Terry Barber does. So I stood up and basically explained how what Father said about the church on the sacraments isn't what the church really teaches. So then I said, would anybody go to a deserter to find out about the army. Then don't go to this man to find out about the Catholic Church. I have Bishop Sheen cassette tapes for everyone. Now, there's 1,100 people in the church. As soon as I said that, the lights start going off, and two guys come, two guys, I'm 140 pounds, they pick me up, and they throw me out of the church. <clears throat> well, I bounce well. So can you picture hundreds of people around me? I'm giving out all these cassette tapes in the parking lot, I'm answering questions until about one in the morning, and through the grace of God, many people came back to the church through Fulton Sheen's cassette tapes. So why do I say that? Because there are so many people in the Catholic Church who 
don't know their faith and they're right to be pulled out of the church. And so that's why I encourage our listeners to be a high information Catholic, to share that gospel according to the Catholic Church to as many people as possible so that when they have questions, they can answer them. Because right now, many Catholics are going, well, I don't know what what to believe because I don't know what the Catholic Church I'm Catholic by only my baptism. I've never studied anything. That's the majority. And here's the kicker. For every one Catholic that comes into the church, six are leaving, Joe. Six and a half. Oh, six and a half now. Last time I (laughs) looked, it was six. Six and a half. And that's a problem, obviously. And what's the problem? We have a problem of getting people to know their faith because they have not been taught well. There's been a catechetical uh, problem, and we just have this problem in the church where most Catholics have not been taught well, so they're easy prey to Jehovah Witnesses, to Mormons, to Evangelicals. And until we solve that problem of having high-information Catholics, it will continue, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I frequently, you know, you're you're saying everything I frequently tell the listeners on other episodes. Good, good. Uh, uh, Yeah, it just shows that, you know. We're on the same page. Yeah, we're all on the same page, and that's important. Uh, I I was speaking to Michael Vorst one day, mm-hmm. and I said to him that I was of the opinion that at least 95% of Catholics don't know their faith. Of course. His reply was, too I generous. think you're being entirely too generous. I agree yeah. with him. I happen to agree so, with him. Yeah, I I tend to to I I uh, was just trying to be charitable at ninety five percent. Yeah, Terry, let's kind of wind this sure. down with this. Are you uh, right now? You're addressing roughly thirty five thousand people. Okay, imagine that they are all and and they're in eighty eight countries as well as the United States. Praise God. You know, imagine that you've got them all right here in front of a dais. What would you most like to say to them above anything else? Well, I'm going to tell them something that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said and that got me so motivated when he said this, There's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Jesus Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. And that's the beauty of evangelization. You're going to get so much more out of this than you're giving. Because when you share the gospel, I'll just give you a, a, a short thing. One of our listeners just Saturday went and got his marriage blessed by the church. Now, he had been in prison. He got married by the state. And he started listening to Virgin Most Powerful. And Jess Romero and myself were talking about the sacrament of marriage and the graces that are there. Now, I got to witness his marriage on Saturday. And the firepower that this man has in prison, he had was converted through a bunch of St. Joseph communications recordings and a catechism of the Catholic Church. And we had the blessing to be able to witness him being married inside the church. And I got to tell you, my heart was exploding with joy to see his joy with his bride. And that's the key. It's just making it opportunities for people to come to know the Lord and to know the beauty of his church and the beauty of the sacraments. Are you kidding me? So many people have no clue 
where these sacraments even came from. And so I really think it's important that if I had one thing to say, do two things. I'm going to tell you, ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day. And then these married couples that are there listening right now, I do what Bishop Sheen said. Your love for your husband will not last because you're strong and vice versa with the husband. Your love will last because you have the power to renew it. Renew your marriage vows often. That's the advice to keeping a family. Because remember, St. John Paul II wrote that letter to the families in 1994. And he said, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. So evangelize the family and the family will evangelize the culture. Amen. That's why Cardinal Burke spends so much time talking about family. Amen. Yeah, I I hear him do that all the time. Sure. Terry, I've really enjoyed this, and I'm quite sure my listeners have too. Would you consider yeah. coming back on the show of at course. some point in the future? Of course. I only have so much time, and I love sharing the gospel. Let me just throw one more thing at you that really shares okay. why evangelization is important. We interview Bishop Strickland, and he teaches people the Ten Commandments from the Catechism, the Seven Sacraments. We go through a catechism course with the bishop. Now, a bishop is supposed to teach, govern, and sanctify. He tells me every time we do the show that he gets so excited to do this because he said, last week, he said, this is the first time in the day where I actually can exercise my bishopry because all my (laughs) meetings have been meetings about insurance and, you know, different things that had nothing to do with evangelization. And so why I say that is that let's make sure we don't hesitate to share the gospel and say, like, I'll, I'll leave you on a story. Let's not be like this. A friend of mine is an attorney. He was telling me about another attorney friend, and then I'll leave you. He said that for 30 years he was a partner with this guy, and unfortunately the guy got cancer and he was dying. In the hospital. So the other partner was feeling bad. And the wife said, well, go give him a rosary. Go give him a divine mercy chaplet. He's dying. Go sit, go visit him. Oh, I don't know. Okay. The wife pushes him to do it. So he's there at the hospital telling him about the Catholic faith. And the guy says to, the guy that's sick, he says to his healthy friend, hey, why are you giving this to me now? If this was that important, you would have told me for 30 years about your Catholic faith. I don't buy it. And I said, wow, what a story. (laughs) Let's not be that person. Let's not wait at 30 years. Let's do it now. Amen. Amen. Terry, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much. God love you, Joe. Although Terry talked about evangelization, the dual theme he kept referencing was spending time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and building a deep relationship with him. As I've said and written countless times, you can't become a saint without sharing the faith, and you can't share the faith without working to become a saint. That pretty much sums up what Terry was trying to tell you. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic News Pick number 5. Hats off to Flag and Cross. Two gun control bills pass in Dem-controlled House and eight Republicans vote with them. 
The eight American-hating Republicans are Vern Buchanan of Florida, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Andrew Garbarino from New York, Carlos Agamares from Florida, Adam Kinzinger from Illinois, Maria Salazar from Florida, Chris Smith from New Jersey, and Fred Upton from Michigan. Folks, get rid of these rhinos next year. When they vote against the Second Amendment, they vote against we the people. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to LifeSite News. The White House is asking big tech giants Facebook, Twitter, and Alphabet Incorporated's Google to clamp down on chatter that deviates from officially distributed COVID-19 information, according to the New York Post and other news reports. So much for the First Amendment. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number number three. Hats off to Catholic Vote. Senator Rand Paul confronted Dr. Rachel Levine over his support for inflicting puberty-blocking drugs and genital surgeries on minor children. During Levine's confirmation hearing for the position of Assistant Secretary of Department of the Health and Human Services, Paul pointedly asked him several times whether he endorsed such invasive medical interventions. It's official. Child abuse is now acceptable in the United States. Why, you must be delusional or something. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to the Daily Wire. President Joe Biden is reportedly considering every tool at his disposal to crack down on Second Amendment rights as left-wing activists are pushing him to deal with the issue of gun violence by declaring a national emergency and using executive orders. I really think the left is pushing for a civil war, and things like this will give them what they want. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to the Epic Times. Groomed-to-be Will Clawson, 24, and his younger brother Henry, 22, who has Down syndrome, have been inseparable since childhood. When Will devised a special way to invite his brother to be his best man, his future wife caught the moment on camera and Henry's emotional reaction went viral. If you have dry eyes after this, then you probably laughed when Old Yeller died. Wow! That's just incredible! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair! It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. 
As we continue our look at the Sixth and Ninth Commandments, I'd like to dedicate this particular boot camp to a topic that's very much in the news and national dialogue. I'm referring to homosexuality. It amazes me that so many Catholics actually support so-called homosexual rights, including same-sex marriage. Let me first state that being a homosexual is not morally wrong. If being a homosexual is wrong, then by necessity being a heterosexual is wrong. What's morally wrong are homosexual acts, just like heterosexual acts outside of marriage are wrong. As long as the homosexual lives a chaste life, it's no more immoral to be a homosexual than to be a heterosexual. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, Basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. Since the Church herself declares a scriptural basis for her teaching that homosexual acts are disordered and immoral, let's take a look at a few of those passages. First, we see that God destroyed Sodom because of the rampant homosexual behavior is taking place. Hence the reason any unnatural sexual act is called sodomy. Next is Leviticus 20.13. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Then we see what St. Paul has to say in Romans 1, 24-27. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. Then in 1 Corinthians 6.10 he says, Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. The above scriptures demonstrate to us exactly how God views homosexual acts. However, the homosexual lobby has been very successful in its concerted public relations effort to make their destructive lifestyle acceptable to far too many Americans. What they've been telling us for decades is homosexuals make up 10% of the American population. However, a study from the Williams Law Institute of UCLA tells us that it's actually 3.5% of adults in the United States who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Among the many other lies they tell us is that they are homosexual by nature, not by choice. That claim is simply illogical. It's the supernature, God, who creates nature. 
We've already seen what God says about homosexuality. It's an insult to Almighty God, a blasphemy, to say that God made homosexuals homosexual. He certainly made every human being with the help of our parents, but the homosexual made the choice to become a homosexual. If it were natural to be homosexual, then homosexuals would be able to procreate and have families naturally. That simply isn't the case. The acceptance of homosexuality by Catholics is a blatant denial of the Church's teachings, and a denial of the Church's teachings is to place oneself outside the Catholic Church. All this stated, it's still wrong to discriminate against anyone, homosexual or otherwise. But we must define exactly what we mean by discrimination. Actually, let's first define what discrimination is not. Discrimination is not refusing to give someone something because of the way they choose to have sex. Since homosexuals have been given rights that are traditionally reserved to traditional marriage, the floodgates have burst open into all sorts of new rights. By legalizing same-sex unions, then nothing stops legalized prostitution, both adult and minor, pedophilia, just ask the North American Man-Boy Love Association. Polygamy, bigamy, bestiality, the current pet craze in America, makes it not only likely, but a minor movement has begun, and a host of other perversions. So we don't discriminate on the basis of real gender, color, race, or creed, but nothing in that description affirms giving people special rights because of the way they choose to have sex. Rights imply liberty. As we've stated in these boot camps in the past, liberty is doing as we ought. License is doing what we want. No one has a right to license, but liberty, doing as we ought, is every person's responsibility. That's what the church teaches. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Pope St. Pius X. He said, Holy Communion is the shortest and safest way to heaven. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Toward the close of the 17th century, the celebrated musician Paul Merton and his 16-year-old daughter Josephine lived in a miserable attic in a poor suburb of Vienna. Josephine was skilled at embroidery. At the time, Austria was made poor because of the wars against the Turks, and Paul Merton and his daughter often went to bed at night cold and hungry. One day, feeling sorry for her poor father, Josephine said to him, Father, let me go and seek work, then I'll be able to help you. I'll ask my dear patron St. Joseph to help me find a job. Do you really believe that poor carpenter has such power in heaven as to get you a job in these bad times? St. Joseph is very powerful in heaven, answered Josephine. I'll write him a letter, and my little white turtle dove will carry it to St. Joseph. Her father was amused at this confidence. 
Josephine seated herself at her father's desk and wrote, Dear St. Joseph, have pity on us in our great need. We have no work and nothing to eat. Beg our dear Lord to help me find work because my father is suffering from hunger. Your faithful child, Josephine Merton, seamstress, daughter of the musician of Langrub. Josephine folded the letter and tied it to the neck of her turtle dove. Then she turned the bird loose through an open window. The following day, there was a knock at the door of the Merton's apartment. Does Josephine Merton live here? asked the visitor as Paul Merton let him in. Yes, sir. I'm Josephine's father. My name is Joseph Hurt, said the stranger. I'm a jeweler here in the city and live just a few blocks from here. I have a special devotion to St. Joseph, and this morning I received a message from him telling me to answer in his name the letter Josephine sent to him. I'm inclined to believe that my patron St. Joseph would be pleased if I could be of some help, so I came to see you. Incredibly surprised, Paul Merton explained the incident of the letter. He was even more surprised when Mr. Hurt offered Josephine a job in his store and Paul Merton an offer to be his instructor in voice since he sang in the cathedral choir. He even paid Paul in advance. Then Mr. Hurt explained how the dove, weakened by hunger and overcome with the weight of the letter, wasn't able to fly very far and flew into his open window. Moved by the confidence of the girl, he decided to reward her faith at once. Some years later, Mr. Hurt took Josephine as his wife. As a mark of gratitude, she had a beautiful image of St. Joseph placed over the door of the house where she once lived in poverty. This isn't the usual way the saints answer your prayers, but the incident shows that God is anxious to help you in your needs when you ask for his help by praying to his saints. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic because this show will help you to learn to navigate through these tumultuous times as well as learn, understand, and live our Catholic faith better. You can help other Catholics find the Cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review of this show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the Cantankerous Catholic more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.